0: Hey, I'm Robbie Kramer. You're listening to The Leverage Podcast, where we discuss using your social skills to hack dating, travel, finding your dream job, and becoming a complete man. Yo, yo, we're back. And today we welcome on a very special guest, a longtime friend of mine, Jordan Harbinger. And Jordan is one of the pioneers of podcasting and his show, The Jordan Jordan Harbinger Show receives around 5 million downloads per month. He's also an expert in human dynamics, networking, social engineering, which is how we met back in the day, I think in 2007. He was just getting into podcasting, uh, started a social dynamics company called The Art of Charm, and prior to that, he graduated law school from U of M, University of Michigan, go blue, and uh, even worked in in Wall Street and a grueling, uh, <laughs> a grueling job for, for a little while. Uh, he left Wall Street in 2012, and he was hosting the super popular Game On show on Sirius XM satellite radio, had me on as a guest a couple times, which is a lot of fun. And I don't even know how many countries this guy's been to, um, but I remember he told me a story back in the day, I think we were in North Korea and he ate a beating heart out of a cobra and he was kidnapped in Serbia, so <laughs> I don't really know if uh, any more introduction is necessary. But uh, Jordan, welcome to the show, brother.
1: Thanks for having me on, man. Dude, I even I forgot about doing. I forgot the show was called Game On on Sirius XM. That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I I remember being on Sirius XM, obviously, but the show being about like dating and stuff like that, because it, it was a hardcore call-in advice show. And I can't believe you remember the beating heart thing. That was actually in Vietnam. I I heard there was a there was like 2007 and I heard there was a restaurant that served snake and these tourist kids that were literally in a boy band from the Netherlands or Denmark they wanted to go and I was like I'll go to that and and we took a taxi and I thought we were definitely getting kidnapped because like it was like an hour outside of Ho Chi Minh or whatever Saigon and we get Mm -hmm. there and there's only Vietnamese people there and it's like in a not super big city at all, like a villagey kind of village plus. And we walk in and people are like, um, hello. And they, they, no one can speak English So this random like Japanese or, or Korean. I forget now. It's been 20 years. Guy comes over, or 10 years, comes over and is like, you want snake? And we were like, yes. And they were like, <laughs> okay. So he tells them something in Vietnamese, I guess. Uh, he was, I remember he wasn't Vietnamese and he was just there on business. And he was like explaining to us what was going on. And they brought in a live Cobra and they put it on the floor of the restaurant. And I'm like at this point about to jump on the table if this thing gets any closer to me. And the dude is holding it by the tail and it's moving around and he's just kind of being like really sort of expertly careful with it. And then he's looking at me like waiting for me to do something. And I'm like, what do I have to do right now? And the guy goes, oh, you just have to approve the snake. You know, like at a restaurant where they show you the fish, (laughs) they want you to see the snake so that you know what you're getting. And it was an aggressive cobra. And they go, it's a good cobra because it's very aggressive. And I was like, get this thing away from me. So he steps on it with a flip-flop and like bare legs on its like neck. So it couldn't turn around and bite him, I guess. Grabs it by the neck and then just like lays it on the table and cuts it open. And and then uh, cuts it into pieces, puts the head on the table on like a salad bed. And they're like, don't eat that. It's still toxic, which obviously, because it has fangs. They break the fangs off with a knife because I would imagine they just think us idiots are going to touch it and then have to go to the hospital immediately, which is totally a thing that one of us would have done. And they're like, those are still sharp because they're broken. And then they come back with like seven different dishes, like snake salad, snake soup, snake whatever, tasted terrible. It was like gamey, (laughs) chewy, overcooked, like dry, just one of the worst things ever. But while they were killing the snake, it's actually pretty barbaric. They drained the blood into a glass and they poured vodka in the glass to disinfect it, which 2020 hindsight, I should not have drank that. But then they poured it <laughs> yeah. in shot glasses. They found the heart. They cut the heart out. The heart was still beating. They said, who's the oldest man here? And I was, uh, I don't know, 25 or something, 27. So they took it, put it in my glass uh, on a fork. You could literally see it beating. And I threw it in the glass and I did it as a shot. And I uh, don't regret it, but I don't think about it too much, if that makes sense. Wow. Yeah. Well,
0: you're probably you know, one of the few... Definitely the first person I ever know to even try snake, let alone eat a beating heart
1: from a. Life. Of a cobra, a live <laughs> of a cobra, co- like, of like, like the what? craziest snake. Yeah, yeah. Look, and you know what's really gross is they for sure caught that thing in like a, a sewer trench. You know, like that's that, that's <laughs> yeah, not like. pretty
0: easy to come by in uh, Vietnam, I guess. Yeah, right? I
1: don't think they breed them on a nice like sanitary-ish. <laughs> well, no farm factory factory farming is sanitary, but I don't think they breed it and like feed it good stuff. I think they just catch it like in some alleyway and they're like all right run it through the wash it off once because we're going to feed it to people so yeah that was a i i I think the moral of the story is i don't think a lot before i do things or at least i (laughs) used to not
0: well it's it's funny that you say that because um you know you have obviously background as an attorney Mm -hmm. and you're super successful in your business and and your shows so you you look like you're a guy who thinks a lot yes (laughs) yes through
1: stuff, but. <laughs> deceiving De- looks so deceiving in my case yeah you know it's funny I, I do strategize a lot now but i think back then it was just kind of like this is a unique novel experience let's do this
0: yeah i mean it's traveling i think is something that i mean how many countries have you been to i've been to 50.
1: Ooh, and... i don't know a lot actually a whole lot yeah like, and somewhere around there probably i would imagine.
0: I think that's the best time to just try wacky, crazy shit. It is. You know, hopefully yeah. you don't end up in a foreign prison somewhere, but.
1: Yeah, I've been there on you know, that there's... too. It's not fun. That, that part I don't <laughs> recommend. That's, uh, that's one where I think you could skip, getting arrested overseas.
0: Yeah, that's definitely not a good one. But tell us your story. Um, you know, I don't know where you want to start, but maybe back um, around the sure. law school time and how you became, how you became Jordan.
1: Yeah, well, essentially, the way that things started was I was going to become a a Wall Street attorney, and I was in law school, and I started, one night I was downloading a movie, and I was like, this is pretty interesting. Uh, Let me see what else is on these, like, BitTorrent kind of news websites, and I grabbed something that was called Double Your Dating that I'd seen a thousand times, and I thought, what losers are looking at this? And I downloaded it because I was just eventually after seeing it like a hundred times, I was curious and I grabbed it and it was kind of novel and unique, but I thought there wasn't a whole lot of practical application to it. And I started reading about evolutionary psychology and things like that. And I just kind of really got into it as a hobby. And I remember going out the first night and trying some of the dating stuff and just being like, this is is maybe made up by an internet marketer. I didn't think internet marketer, but I was like, some of this is made up, but some of this, this guy's like onto something. And then I didn't think much of it, but I remember writing down the date cause I was like thinking about things in this way, could change your life. Cause I remember in middle school and high school, when you figured out something about about girls, do you remember this? Where you'd figure something out where you'd go, hmm. I saw her once this morning. I saw her again later that day and I made eye contact with her and I said some like fun thing to her, but then I didn't like hang on her the whole night and now she's attracted to me or whatever. So you have like, you kind of like think, oh, okay, maybe there's a pattern to like someone seeing me and maybe there's a pattern to the way that you flirt with people. But like we didn't have the code cracked. It's just that was when I saw like maybe there was even a code that people understood and I also had friends like one guy was really good with girls but like one guy or the rest of us were not and I would be like hey how do you talk to girls and he he would be like oh man just like be cool like non-actionable bullshitty advice that doesn't mean anything and so I remember thinking like what if I just watch what he's doing because he's not telling me he knows a secret but truthfully he just couldn't articulate what he was doing he's like naturally good at it his older brother had some game you know, and and Mm in 2020 hindsight, even he wasn't that good. He just acted tough, but was like nice to girls. So they saw this like tension (laughs) in that. And I was like, Oh, okay. But back then I had no idea what the hell it was. I just thought, Oh, he's nice to girls. And that didn't work. Surprise, surprise. So you have to have that tension there. And there's a lot of little things like that, that I started to think about over time. And then as I started to become an attorney on Wall Street, I remember, being like, it's really hard. I'm probably going to get fired from this job because everybody's really smart and everybody works really hard. And I I work hard, but like, you know, I'm not smarter than all these people. So I had like major imposter syndrome. And Mm. what I did was I decided to try to get another advantage because in high school, my competitive advantage was like, oh, I'm kind of smart. Show up to the test, do the geometry. Like I'm no genius. Don't get me wrong. But I was like smart enough to like pass tests. Then um, after that, I had... Gone to uh, college and law school, and I was like, Ooh, these people are all smart uh, and smarter than me. I need to outwork them. So I studied for like 16 hours a day. But then I got to Wall Street, and it was like everyone was smart, and everyone was. Everyone's uh, working. Working hard. Like crazy, right? Oh, crap. I was like, Oh my God, I don't have like a competitive advantage anymore. What am I going to do? So I talked to one of the partners who had hired me because he was one of the youngest partners in the firm, and he was like, never in the office. And my strategy was if I'm not in the office, like him they'll figure out it'll take them longer to figure out like oh this Jordan guys kind of doesn't belong here and that will buy me more runway time to like figure out the job and like make myself valuable because I was learning slower than everyone else well what he told me kind of changed the way that I looked at work which was he said I I'm not working from home not in the office I'm actually out generating business for the firm through my network and I was like what how you know, I just figured people found lawyers through like the yellow page. I don't even know what I thought. I was like a first year associate. What do, what do I know? <laughs> right. And he's like, no, no, no. I go play racquetball and squash and go cycling and jog and go to charity events and do dinner stuff. And I was like, and you get paid for that? And he's like, I make more than the other guys. Cause I get a percentage of the deals that I bring in. Those guys bill hours and they get a salary and then they get a billable hours bonus based on how much they work. And he's like, but I get paid based on performance, like my deal flow. And I was like, Whoa, you work less doing something more interesting and you make more money. Like, where do I sign up? And he's like, just use your network. And I was like, oh crap, you know, what does that even mean? So I started right. studying psychology, uh, nonverbal communication. And I was like, wait a minute, this all sort of sounds like the dating stuff, except this is for business and this is for dating and they're both kind of vague and not practical like you go take a Dale Carnegie course and they're like look him in the eye and have a firm handshake just like when you go to a crappy dating coach and they're like make sure that you have good profile photos where you're smiling and you're like dude if i'm not getting dates it's not Fuck. because my profile photo i'm not smiling like dude i just remember we other took that wrong
0: we took that Dale Carney together. I completely forgot about
1: that. (laughs) And this dude's like in a sweater vest and he's like, here's how you remember that their kid plays tennis. And I'm like, dude, if I'm not getting a million dollar law deal, it's not because I forgot his kid plays tennis. Like where's the actionable stuff that people aren't doing? Like who, where are the ingredients to charisma that salespeople have? Like, that's what I want to learn. And nobody could teach that. It was kind of like, Oh, you're born with it or you're not, which is total bullshit. That's what people say about game too. Um, in dating, they're like, Oh, you're born with it or you're not. And I'm like, As and I think we can sit state equivocally as two Jewish nerds uh, who have spent <laughs> the last decade and change teaching at the top of this stuff, you are not born with it. You learn this stuff. Definitely
0: not. <laughs> and the guys who the, the guys who are quote unquote naturals, as they say, if you do a, a study on them, they're all just guys who lost their virginity in like middle school or really early in high school. That's yeah, the thing I see across the board. I,
1: I totally agree. And some people might go, oh, well, they lost their virginity because they were naturals. No, they were in an environment, and here's what we could totally study. They were in an environment where they were proximate to attractive women they were taught how to interact in a socially coherent way with attractive women and therefore they were a lot less afraid and intimidated by attractive women so these are guys that had like healthy relationships with an older sister who was like maybe a little bit popular in school because she was an athlete and had all the friends over to their house so at age 11 he was hanging out with 16 year old girls who were like hey dressed this way. Oh, this guy's really cool. Look at his haircut and he got that haircut and he got that style and the women were sleeping over at his house. So he was hanging out with them and listening to them talk and hearing how they talk about boys and hearing what guys they thought were gross and why and what guys they thought were hot and why. And then he was like, "Hmm." And then suddenly he became more and more attractive because he understood that stuff. And then yeah, he like slept with one of his uh sisters' friends or something when he was like 13 and she was 15, you know, and then and it was cool and he was like, "Whoa." I have a girlfriend now. And then all the other women were like, oh, he's cool. He's so-and-so's boyfriend. And then up and up from there. And by the time he's 21 and old enough to drink, he's, like, dating 30-year-old women who are like, wow, this guy, like, has his stuff together. You know, or he's dating tons of women and he gets tons of experience while the rest of us are, like, jerking off to freaking Pornhub in college dorm rooms. You know what I mean? Like, pardon me (laughs) if that doesn't fit your podcast
0: but it's no, totally playing true. counter-strike or whatever.
1: Yeah. We're, we're and, sitting uh, around yeah. like, oh man, girls Having a like. land party. Yeah. We're ha- literally <laughs> having land parties and he's like out like with college friends when we're at home in high school and he's like hanging out with his sister's friends at like the university of Michigan getting laid and drinking, you know, like it's a life I, I experience. I knew two there.
0: guys like that actually, that I grew up with in my neighborhood. And the, it's so interesting how you just described that scenario. Cause it couldn't have been more spot on like that is Mm. exactly what their childhood was like plus they were tall and they were athletic one guy was was literally the the uh, high school quarterback varsity quarterback and the other guy and they were just like bigger taller more athletic than me i was just a short little shrimp who didn't grow until like my junior year of high school i was like five two until my junior year of high school luckily grew like eight inches that year um but yeah that's that's well, that's the natural. It's just yeah. the right combination of factors.
1: It is. And, and look, even if you're like short little shrimp or whatever, like one of us, you can still do a lot of things to mitigate that if you have like a really healthy social life as a young person. Like if you're a younger nerdy guy and you have a healthy relationship with your older sister, it's not guaranteed you're going to turn into a natural, but it's very possible that you could. And it, you, you might be a late bloomer and your sister's friends might not think you're attractive, but you'll know so much about women that women your age and younger will still totally find you attractive because you will be in the window of, of what they're looking for. And then when you become a late bloomer and you grow up later, like you can catch up on experience because you have all, a ton of experience and knowledge. And you might you might just adjust the window of the women that you're dating. So the whole like you're born with it thing, it's an illusion based on what people observe, just like people think, and even now dumbass crazy people think the earth is flat because they're like, well, I'm observing casually <laughs> this, right. this, and this. And it's like, science shows otherwise. And, and I think it's the same for social skills. It's just that there's not a lot of research money being dumped into, how, hmm, how do guys get laid at an early age? Like there's money getting put into dating for adults but nobody's trying to figure out how to get their 14 year old kid laid. That's terrifying. But like, <laughs> that's the whole thing. So, I, and I, no. I think that that, that whole idea is important because there's a bunch of people out there that like, like me and I, that didn't come from that environment. And we can quickly be told or assume that we're totally screwed as a result. Right. When really it's totally fine. Like it's completely fine and you can definitely catch up. Like, I'm not only a late bloomer, I probably didn't really come into my own socially until like my 30s, which is kind of yeah. crazy. Likewise. You know, it was I like mean? 30,
0: 31, 32 for
1: me. 100%. Same time. Yeah. And what's funny about it is I was doing like all this dating stuff when I was like 27, 28. And I was like, I'm kind of getting it, but I'm kind of not getting it. And then after I, ironically, after I stopped trying because I was no longer like, the i mean i was the face of the brand and i was like whatever happens happens and these guys are gonna like learn a ton so it doesn't matter that's when i started like dating women where i was like oh, this woman's really out of my league and then i realized oh the imposter syndrome that i feel now dating really attractive women the exact same feeling i had when i started my job on wall street where i was like i'm unqualified i gotta find a hack and i was like nope totally normal feeling that you have when you're out of your comfort zone as a, as, as at work, you'd say a high performer. Like if you're a salesman and you're Mm -hmm. closing deals that are millions of dollars and you've never done that before, you might be like, I hope I didn't screw this up. What's going on? What's the catch? Same thing when you're dating a woman that's really, really attractive that you're really, really into. You're like, Ooh, better not screw this up. But ironically, it's that feeling that screws it up. It's when you start feeling comfortable around that, that you set a baseline for yourself of comfort and you go, Oh, okay. I actually, Am attractive to these women and it's not like a one off, it's not an illusion. It's my new baseline. It just takes a while. And yeah, you have guys- to have
0: like stack enough wins basically to prove yeah. to yourself like right. oh, okay, that is normal for me now.
1: Right. And you see insecure guys doing it when they're like 40. They're like, Hey guys, yeah, uh, this is the girl that I'm dating. And I'm like, bro, we're I'm 39 with a kid. Like, good for you, but damn grow up dude you know like yeah. like or or if they're your friend it doesn't matter but you see insecure guys doing that all the time like they'll walk up to you at a at a bar and they'll be like hey jordan big fan of the show and they have their arm around some girl and they're like yeah we just met and i'm like you're not really impressing me like
0: you're <laughs> cool story you're, bro
1: yeah cool story <laughs> yeah. you're 43 years old and you're like still single like I, I don't know if you think that that's impressive to me but it's really not so like that type of thing will happen all the time and it's very weird to me um, to see that as an older guy, but I also get it because I'm sure it was weird for guys in their 30s to see me be like, dude, I found out how to like do this random dating skill. And like my friends who were really young and gotten married before, they were probably like, who cares? You know, but, but for me, it was a big breakthrough. So I wanna, the whole point of this story is to like tell people, look, if you're not a natural, it doesn't matter because there's no such thing. It's just something that happened to somebody else earlier. It's not too late for you. And also- um, it doesn't really matter if you're a late bloomer because there's literally millions of people in the same phase of life. And if you're really, really late, like if you're 40 and you just woke up and realized that this is something you need to work on, fine, you can date younger women or you can date women that don't really care if you're a little socially awkward because it's completely normal as a human.
0: Yeah, and like when, you know, if, if you are a late bloomer, you've probably developed a lot of other transferable skills
1: exactly. that
0: will carry over and you have a leg up in that department.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The problem, the problems aren't, Hey, I'm a nerdy guy that focused on learning a bunch of programming languages and I have a PhD from Cornell, but I'm socially awkward. The problem is when you go, Ooh, I got to act cool now and you become horrifically insecure trying to prove yourself. That's far less attractive than somebody who's just like, dude, I spent my twenties getting a PhD. I have no, I've been to like five bars for my friend's birthdays. I have (laughs) no clue how to do this. And it's like, don't worry. And then like my girls online will dating like that. They'll be like, Oh, it, he's a he's a nerd. Is
0: it, they love nerds, dorks, yeah, you know? Like,
1: they, they, they do. Yeah. They do. The older is, ones, like yes, when they come ones. into when
0: women come into their own and they realize like, Okay, now I, I've I've banged enough, you know, promoters or young like Instagram models. Now I want yeah. someone of substance. Exactly. So you can be you're already that guy.
1: Exactly. And you're not going to lose your wife to some Instagram like the thing is when people do the good, the good news is for us n- nerds, time is and life is on our side. So like, as we get older and we're like, I give up, I can no longer try to compete with these Instagram people. It's like the women that are our age and, and slightly younger than us, like of, mar- of dating and marriage age, they just stop. Most of the quality ones stop caring about that because it really doesn't matter. So And it happens at different phases of life, too. So, for example, when I was in law school, uh, I heard guys joking that the best thing you can do is buy a Michigan law sweatshirt and go to certain bars on campus. And I was like, that's ridiculous. And I kept going out with them. And one of my friends gifted me a Michigan law sweatshirt because he's like, dude, just try it. And I was like, you guys are delusional. And sure enough, I put on this Michigan law sweatshirt and I walk into like the the cool cool bar where all the sororities go. And there's all these D-bag frat guys that are like roided out huge dudes. And we were just surrounded by women. And I was like, what is happening? And of course, now having studied all this dating and relationships and evolutionary psychology, I realized, ah, and, and this is real science, I'll tell you this. Um, potential is as attractive as actual uh, status and earning according to certain social science studies. I wish I could I'd find them offhand. But oh, 100%. I
0: and just it, to piggyback, my dad met my mom in the University of Michigan law library.
1: Oh no like, kidding. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So <laughs> Yeah, that happens so, yeah. a lot too, actually. Um, and it's mm-hmm. no accident that there's tons of sorority girls that were studying in the law library at all times. And I used to think and like he was oh, a doctor. They,
0: he was he wasn't even a lawyer, but he was yeah, like, no, oh, I'm gonna happens. hang out there.
1: Yeah. It yeah, happens. So. <laughs> it, it's it's during finals we had to have a rule at the law library that only people with an ID could study there. Uh, law ID because it was getting packed with people that were studying because it was like the only truly quiet library. The other ones were already Mm -hmm. super loud party areas. But year round, there were women that would go in there, um, women and men, but there were people that would go in there to meet Lawyers specifically, and I remember this because I remember talking to a lot of them, and I was I'd be like, "Why do you study in here?" And they'd be like, "Oh, it's quiet." And then you'd get to know them for a while, and they'd be like, "Honestly, my mom told me to like study in here," and I'm like, "Dang, that's a uh, that's some calculated shit right there." But yeah. um, potential is as attractive, uh, has the same effect, I should say, on attraction. As actual earning potential, like of course, if someone's a true gold digger, they're gonna want to date the doctor and not the, necessarily the med student. But if somebody's just attracted to potential, which is not the same thing as being a gold digger at all, by the way, um, they're gonna go where it's a quote unquote target rich environment. So. Yeah, if you're all good at studying to be doctors and lawyers, like those libraries are going to be full of people that are interested in those people. Um and just like there were plenty of law students that went to study at the undergrad libraries wearing their Michigan law sweatshirt and they would just like set up books all around and just sit there and read case law with their headphones in and just scope out the talent. And they did that all the time because of that exact reason. And that's why we would go to these bars with our sweatshirts on and women would gather around because they were like, Oh, law students. Okay. I haven't met any of those and they're here to socialize clearly. So like, let's go hang out with them. And I remember like frat dudes being super pissed off and having to sort of like be held back by their buddies because they would try to do stuff like throw beer on us. And I remember one guy goes, yeah, get <laughs> out of here! go to your own bar. And I was like, it's a campus bar, dude, relax. And his friend was like, do you really want to assault a lawyer? I don't think you want to do that, man. And I was like, dude, just calm down. Like, let's all have a drink. I remember he was so territorial because we were like a spectacle. It was like being in a zoo. And it was true. My friend said, we're in the fish tank whenever they go down to this bar. And I was like, why? Why do you say that? And sure enough, you sit in there and we're sitting at this round table drinking like crappy beer, wearing hoodies. Everyone else is dressed up. And we're just like, there's just people circling around our table and like making eye contact. So I'm not saying go buy a Michigan law sweater and hang out on campus bars. I think that might be a little creeper level 10. But for guys that are maybe younger and they're like, oh, I'm just a student. It does not matter. It really doesn't matter. Or, like, oh, I'm entry level at Amazon. Doesn't matter. You know, like, oh, I'm yeah. a newbie at Facebook. Don't worry about that stuff.
0: Women just want to know you have a dream and you have something you're aspiring to.
1: Yeah. And, that's uh, not being an yeah. influencer on freaking YouTube, also. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> something legitimate. Yes. So, what happened next? You're, uh,
1: yeah, so I, I worked on Wall Street for a while. I actually started to get pretty decent at the psychology and nonverbal communication thing, and I was using it for networking. And I started teaching courses on networking uh, at my law school during w- during the third year of law school. I, I started to be like, okay, after my internship, I was like, this is working, let me teach networking. There were no networking classes, so I, I got assigned to teach one by the I guess professors or whatever, like the Dean, it was the Dean who was like, Hey, do you want to teach this to students? And I remember like two people showed up to, to my learn how to network cl- as a lawyer course. Yeah. And it was funny. Cause one of the people that showed up was like a, a professor and the other person that showed up was like a random student who was like, Hey, I, I really need these skills. Nobody else cared. It wasn't a failure of marketing. It was a failure of, well, I guess it was, but it was a failure of people to actually care. Cause they all thought, whatever. I got a lot degree from Michigan. I'm going to be awesome, which turns out isn't true. And so a lot of those people really didn't, didn't do well. And I remember th- doing things like going out all the time and trying to work on my quote unquote networking skills. And then I started talking about body language and nonverbal communication with a friend of mine at uh, different bars. And women would overhear these conversations and they'd be super interested. So they would hang out with us regularly, pretty much like, every other day or whatever, when we were going out and we started to get to know a lot of the women that were going to these bars regularly, because we were talking about that stuff. And we would introduce, we'd get introduced to them. We'd see them around. Then I started to walk into the bar and I'd see like two or three or five or 10 women that I knew. Right. And I was like, this isn't that hard. I'm actually talking with these women. So the dating thing kind of like started to come together. But then uh, ironically, it started to, even though I was teaching networking, it started to make a little bit of a loop-de-loop because guys would go, Hey, how come you're always like with like eight girls, you know, what's going on there? And I'm like, Oh, we're talking about nonverbal communication and body language. And I would do like reading, we'd play games like, is that couple on a date? Is she into him? Like reading other people's body language and the women, they ate this up,
0: dude. They love that.
1: It was like my primary thing that I would do. I would sit there and analyze people's body language and they'd be like, oh, you're some kind of expert, huh? And I'd be like, oh, I study this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And so guys started to notice that I was with women and then they were like, hey, why don't give me a call next time you go out? And I was like, I'll tell you what, like I'll bring you, but you have to be willing to sort of like learn this stuff that I'm teaching. And then I started charging them date, uh, sorry, uh, drinks and, um, and food So they would pay for that stuff. And and then it became like officially like dating coaching where I was like, look, if you pay me $400, you can hang out with me four nights this week. And then um, you pay for drinks and dinner on the last night. It's kind of like your graduation. And you'll get to meet a bunch of these different women that I'm with. And the women started to be like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm teaching these guys like some of the stuff that I was teaching you. And they would come out and kind of be flirty and cool with the guys. So I actually had almost like free wing women that were just stoked (laughs) to be around it and that lasted for i would say that was like the entire last year of my law school on and off was like unofficially slash officially running like boot camp ish type situations we didn't think of it at the time
0: yeah that's funny i never i never heard you talk about that before
1: yeah yeah yeah.
0: i was always kind of curious how you kind of came around because you know the first time i heard of you 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 know, I think I was working for pickup one Oh one and yeah. you had just started the podcast and you needed some guests to come on. We talked about flirting, but I, I was like, I don't really know how Jordan ever got into this stuff. So yeah, it makes sense now. Yeah. That was it.
1: And then, um, and then we started the podcast because what was happening was I was talking so much about body language, nonverbal communication. And then it would be like on Monday, I'd have a conversation with people for like three hours. Then on Tuesday, there'd be like a new guy or new people. And they're like, wait, 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 what's this thing about? Da, da, da. And I'd be like, Oh man, we covered this yesterday. So I started burning the talks that I was having with my friend who later became my business partner. Uh, we started burning him to CD. And I was like, go home and listen to this CD and then come back. And you'll know, you'll be like caught up more or less. You'll have like a basic foundation. And then I would burn a CD and give it to somebody. And then they would be like, Hey, I gave that to my roommate. Can I have another one? And I was like five bucks. Then I raised the price to like 20 bucks And so I was burning CDs and I realized this is such a pain. You know, I'm giving away tons of CDs or selling a ton of CDs, but I'm not going to get rich selling CDs. Um, And (laughs) guys would be like, I need five, one for my roommate, one for my brother, one for my cousin, one for me. And one, you know, like it was like- You got to burn them all one by one at the time. Yeah, it would take like six (laughs) hours for me to freaking do it. And I'd be like trying to study. It was insane. I'd have a CD burner hooked up like to the laptop, you know, and I'd be like reading case law and it would be like, ding, ding, And I'd be like, all right, swap CD. It was ridiculous. So I was doing that um, and I I remember telling uh, a buddy of mine, I was like, I just wish there was a way to put an MP3 file on the internet. And there just wasn't. We searched and searched and searched. And then somebody was like, there's a new thing called podcasting. This is 2006. There's a new thing called podcasting where you can basically host an MP3 file online and you can point people at it and they can listen to it either in iTunes or stream from the website or download from the website, I guess. I was like, oh, cool. So we started doing that. And we thought, we'll just tell people about our website and they can go there, no no more burning CDs. Well, we looked at our analytics using what I think was called like sitemeter.com back in the day. And it was like <laughs> 24 hits. And we were like, whoa, 24 hits. That's amazing, 24 people. And then we realized like there was a map of the world that showed where the people were from. We're like South Africa, what? How's that possible? Germany, like what's going on here? Canada, other states. How come it's not all just Ann Arbor, Michigan? And it turned out that, naturally people were finding it by searching for stuff. And then I realized, ah, I can email all these dating bloggers, like you and all these other people who had like blog spots. And I would say link to this podcast where I talk about dating and relationships. And they were like, sure. So we had dozens of people linking to us and pointing to our show and
0: yeah you that, were on the Rob Robbo's flirting blog
1: yeah oh <laughs> so my the, god that's right <laughs> Robo's blog I forgot about that <laughs> Robo's blog that was yeah. you so we had tons of that kind of thing and that was the beginning of like what now is the Jordan Harbinger show where I interviewed like freaking Howie Mandel and you know Admiral Stavridis and stuff like that and like I'd Kobe Bryant on the show like it's really kind of gone from like how to pick up chicks to like a real interview show that's got millions of downloads every single month
0: yeah i mean it's been so crazy to to watch it take off and like yeah when i saw that you had kobe on i was like jesus christ you had shack on and um was yeah. there anything like what kind of led to that crazy kind of hockey stick like growth
1: yeah so there wasn't a whole lot of hockey stick ish growth it was more slow burn podcasting itself has been kind of slow burn for a long time where it really hasn't exploded i think even i think even now America has yeah. the most podcast listeners and something like 30% of the United States has listened to a podcast before or within the last, I think like 90 days or whatever the metric is. Imagine the amount of people that have watched a video on the internet in the past 30 to 90 days in the United States, like 99% probably right. or ninety-eight percent So imagine that, but like that's what will eventually happen for something like podcasting because it's such a popular media but the curve is kind of slow growing um, because of discoverability, because of the way that people consume media. But it's really, really solid in terms of like CPMs and advertising. You know, I'm getting like $40 CPM. And if you have a YouTube video, you'll be lucky to get $3 CPM. So you need an audience that is more than 10 times the size of what I have to earn the exact same amount of money, pretty much. Wow. Which is bonkers.
0: Yeah, that is I'm crazy. <laughs> Nuts. So, yeah, how did so, you make the yeah? yeah. So how did you make the transition from obviously Art of Charm podcast was was really going well. How did you transition to more like the mainstream Jordan Harbinger show? I know you linked up with Adam Carolla. Yeah, kind of got it. Yeah,
1: yeah. So a lot of people who were kind of mentors in the space, Adam Carolla and other like Dr. Drew, they were like, you need to ditch like your bad branding, which was this sort of like dating and pickup stuff um, with the old company and. Yeah, like i can't say negative things about my old company just because we're like in a litigation but obviously like there are there are people that work there that di- let's just say didn't look the part you you know who i'm talking about for example like people that just didn't mm. look like professional and so I, I was like okay that's a problem and then the whole branding thing was kind of an issue because it's like uh you know like especially now with me too it's i'm so oh, glad God. i'm not a part of that now it's a nightmare yeah, scenario it's
0: tricky um, <laughs> Very tricky.
1: But I was already interviewing awesome folks. Like, I'd already had General Stanley McChrystal on the show, and I had like Shaquille O'Neal on the show. So I was done talking about a lot of the dating stuff because I'd gotten married and I was trying to have kids. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm too good for this now. But it was just like, okay, we're running programs. Like, I'm teaching this stuff all the time. Like, I can't just 24 7 talk about this. And also, a lot of the stuff that I was teaching was not simple or, or sorry, not easy, but pretty simple. And, and you know what I mean? Like it, it has to do with confidence and nonverbal communication. And so to do three episodes a week, which is what I was doing, you can't really beat that topic to death like that. Like it starts to become less interesting. And yeah. I wanted to explore my other interests. And I noticed that in, on shows where I did explore my other interests, the downloads are through the roof. Like doing something with the general McChrystal would get so much more feedback and positive results than or positive downloads and feedback than like another another show about like how to dress to go to the club or whatever it was that i was doing <laughs> right. and a lot of our clients were people that were normal which is really good for a dating brand like there were guys who were like yeah i'm married and you know i just got out of special forces and uh i'm a, a, i got a law degree coming and i'm like okay this is not like somebody who is like, I live in my parents' basement and I don't have a job. You know, I was getting like a high quality clientele and they were much more interested in the intelligent things that we were discussing. And they were fans of other shows that were like, you know, TED Talks. They weren't, yeah. they weren't listening to like dating stuff 24-7. So I decided to pivot and that's why I was like, basically just doing my own thing. And it was great lead gen for the company, but eventually I kind of realized I'm doing like 95% of the work. Sales, lead gen, uh, the content marketing. I was leading the web team, the sales team. I was just like, why am I selling this dumb thing that I don't care about anymore? For working with people that like, weren't really into doing anything that I thought I wanted to do in the future. Like just kind of like drinking 24 seven. And I was like, guys, I'm married with a kid, like or with a kid on the way. I want to start my own thing. So we negotiated a split and it all went to shit, but I ended up on what I think is on top with the Jordan Harbinger show because I took the team and I took the the listeners.
0: (laughs) I knew you were big. Like I'd heard you were growing big and I hadn't talked to you for a a while. And uh, I think I was telling you this story over WhatsApp. I was hanging out with a girlfriend of mine, hadn't seen her in a couple of years. And, you know, we wake up and then all of a sudden I hear your voice on the radio. And I'm like, what? Is that Jordan? Like, you listen to the Art of Charm podcast, Leah? And she's like, no, that's the Jordan Harbinger show. What do you mean? <laughs> and then I was like, no shit. Wow. So it's been, uh, you know, and she's just like a normal chick in San Diego who loves your show. And she's like, yeah, he's super popular. Everyone's listening to him. So I've been over here in Kiev, Ukraine, like totally checked out. But uh, it's, it's been cool to, uh, you know, to watch you, to, to watch how much has grown into that stuff and to just kind of follow you on the way.
1: I think that's really Uh, funny that you just had some random woman in your house and you heard my voice coming out and you're like, what's (laughs) happening right now? She's like, the Jordan Harbinger show. You don't know this guy? (laughs) Yeah, she was literally like, you never heard of Jordan?
0: I'm like... Yeah, he got my dog high one time. Actually, I uh, did by accident. mistake.
1: <laughs> God, I felt so bad about that. Cause, um, yeah, uh, my at the time, my business partner and his girlfriend, they were like, "Hey, we have all these brownies. Can you put them in your suitcase?" And I was like, "Sure." I mean, transporting brownies is like not a big deal in California, so I was like, "Why not?" So I packed them in the suitcase and I or, and I locked it up and or zipped it up and I put it in your room. And you had that loft apartment, and the dog, I. Up you didn't know, I had,
0: I... You didn't oh, know maybe... I had a dog. You oh, didn't know I had a dog. That was the thing. I was gone. Right. You guys came. You dropped off your stuff, and then I came back. I I left Wiley in the apartment, and then I Wiley. met you guys for lunch. And then, you know, when we got back,
1: oh my god, yeah. And I was like, why? <laughs> you were like, Wiley's being so weird. Like sleeping outside, red eyes looked really like she just didn't. <laughs> he just done something bad, but hadn't probably. And then later on, we were like, what's going on? What's going on? And then I walked up to like I don't know, get a a shirt because it was getting colder as the sun was setting and i was like oh my god my bags open in this big ass ziploc full of marijuana brownies that my business partner and his girlfriend wanted to, to like do had been <laughs> devoured by your dog and we called the vet to make sure that they weren't going to get sick from the chocolate and she's like it's fake chocolate you're totally fine but we were like and there might have been some cannabis in there and she's like your dog's probably going to sleep for like three days but you're fine yep. So it was, it was, <laughs> it was pretty funny in retrospect, but I felt horrible. Cause I was like, not only did I get your dog high, but she might, he might get really sick from the chocolate, but totally fine. He was totally
0: hungry Dark chocolate's hungry, dangerous, though. but, uh, but you know, normal chocolate's okay. Oh, he was super hungry and he, yeah.
1: he, Dry uh, mouth. he left
0: a nice present for, uh, for us <laughs> <laughs> on the, on the carpet that, uh, never quite came off.
1: <laughs> Dude, that's, uh, that's really, really funny. Oh, man.
0: Oh, fuck. Well, I think that's a good place to, to leave off. So anyone listening, just go to uh, jordanharbingershow.com. What, yeah, the it's, it's that? Yeah. the
1: Jordan Harbinger Show and any podcast app or jordanharbinger.com. And I, I teach, you know, now I teach networking and, and relationship building tactics to like central intelligence agency, defense contractors. Uh, so I, I do, in a way, I have like a similar business other than interviewing people on the Jordan Harbinger show, but I have a similar business. It's just more like corporate uh, espionage or counter espionage type stuff as opposed to like dating.
0: Well, dude, it's been awesome. Thanks so much for, uh, for coming on and let's, let's do it again soon.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks so much. This has been really fun. Man.
0: Thanks for listening. If you want more, go to innerconfidence.com and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for the latest episodes.